on, uh, well, yesterday, uh, we got a notice from the, well, how's this? Father Lay called me and he said, did you know we're supposed to read a letter from the bishop for our homily this weekend? And I was like, of course, no. Uh, I had a homily ready, but apparently Jesus wants to spare you. Uh, so uh, what I'm going to do is uh, just give you a couple thoughts on the gospel that I can't pass up, and then I'll read through uh, Bishop Earl's letter. Uh, if you're wondering, when Jesus said, uh, what, what shepherd wouldn't leave 99 sheep to go find one? No shepherd would. Right? That, that's completely crazy. Uh, sheep are profoundly dumb, yeah? Uh, they have absolutely no natural defenses. Their only thing they can do uh, in the face of a predator is bunch up, yeah? Every predator God made, uh, they can see when there's movement. So uh, the sheep's best defense is actually to be together in a big group. Uh, and of course, sheep just don't like to do that uh, because that would be smart. So even then, with that, no shepherd leaves 99 to go get one. You just count that out. Sheep are utterly replaceable. Jesus' point in the story is not on good shepherding. He just used an example of bad shepherding. What he wants to show us is the heart of God. That God will do the insane by our standard to come get us. God will do, um, I don't know, whatever it takes. Dying on a cross, for example. Giving himself to us in the form of bread. He will do what you and I call crazy and illogical because he is completely and totally in love with you. What woman wouldn't if she lost one coin? She had ten. And she loses one, and, and when she finds it has a party, again, nobody. That's crazy. You and I think of parties a bit different than they did. A party was something that lasted for days because it took people days to get there. There's no watches. There's no calendars. It's, there's going to be a party at so-and-so's house. And if you're going to make that walk and miss work, it better be worth your time. Yeah? I went to a wedding party in Jerusalem that lasted three days. And that was no big deal. What woman would spend ten coins to celebrate finding one that she lost? Nobody. Um, God would. Jesus is not telling us how to do our finances. He's telling us the heart of the Father. And the Father is totally, completely, irrationally in love with you. That's the homily. It would have been a lot longer, but that's what you got. So uh, Bishop Earl wrote a letter, and theoretically every priest in the diocese is reading it today, and, or this weekend, and kind of walking us through it, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, he starts off, Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that's you. In 1931, the state of Michigan enacted a pro-life legislation. This is our present law. 
1972, supporters of abortion brought that 1931 law before voters in a statewide ballot initiative. The people of this state rejected abortion. And that was the last time this was tested at the ballot box here. Today, I want to call your attention to a new and grave threat to our children and our culture of life. It is called the Reproductive Freedom for All Initiative. The Reproductive Freedom for All Initiative will be on our ballots this fall where it will appear as Proposal 3. It seeks the approval of the people of this state to change the constitution of our state to include a right to abortion. This effort is spearheaded by Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. To tinker with the constitution of our state or any state is a serious business, and it's possible to reject it on that alone. However, I want to be clear. The Reproductive Freedom for All initiative is the most extreme abortion proposal this country has ever witnessed. Based on the wording of this amendment, this initiative seeks to enshrine abortion up to and including the day of birth in our state constitution. It also seeks to eliminate dozens of Michigan laws that presently regulate abortion. These include parental consent and notification laws, laws that prohibit partial birth abortion, informed medical consent laws, 24-hour waiting periods, taxpayer-funded abortion, laws that require abortion facilities to be licensed and inspected by the state of Michigan. This is, I'm going off thing here. Uh, it, it is true, guys. I, I looked and I researched starting about two weeks ago. There is no country in the world that would have these abortion laws. I looked England, Germany, France, Spain, Russia, Japan. I looked everywhere. Every other country except China and North Korea where the government forces that issue on women. Uh, no other country or state has this, this idea that abortion all the way up to and immediately after birth, taking away the right of parents to know or be informed, taking away uh, inspections, it, it's pretty, I think whatever your view on abortion, we can all agree this is crazy. Um, and it goes on. I, I don't know how much more you need. Uh, what is more, the scope of this reproductive freedom for all proposed is not limited to the issue of abortion. It will also likely prohibit parental consent rights if your child wishes to pursue medical procedures or chemical treatments intended to change the outward appearance of his or her biological sex. These include puberty blocking drugs, and cross-sex hormones. Such invasive treatments for children who are gender confused can inflict irreversible psychological damage along with long-term psychological, emotional, spiritual damage on an already vulnerable person. It seems likely at this point that the Reproductive Freedom for All campaign will place Michigan in the national epicenter of the abortion debate. The pro-abortion lobby has already spent over $10 million selling this in our state. Significantly more money will be spent during the campaign 
with pro-abortion elected officials and advocacy groups across the country ready to bombard Michigan with voters with propaganda in the weeks to come. The governor of the state has repeatedly said she and her allies in the pro-abortion lobby, quote, will fight like hell to prevail. So how do we respond to this? Simple, we fight like heaven. Uh, first, we employ the three greatest spiritual weapons in the Christian life, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, St. Peter Chrysogonus uh, put it this way, quote, fasting is the soul of prayer. Mercy is the lifeblood of fasting. Let no one try to separate them. They cannot be separated. If you have only one of them or not altogether, you have nothing. Prayer knocks at the door. Fasting obtains. Mercy receives. Hence, on the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, which is Thursday, September... Th I don't have my glasses on. I think it's 15th. Does anyone know? Thank you. I knew that. Good test. You passed. Everybody, I award you 12 Jesus points. Uh, okay. So on Thursday, September 15th, I'm calling upon all within the Diocese of Lansing, clergy and laity, to begin a 54-day Rosary Novena that will conclude upon the eve of polling on November 8th. This will be 54 days of fasting, prayer and almsgiving in union with our Blessed Mother, who is queen of the family, the mother of all mothers, and the patroness of the unborn. If you wish, you can sign up for a daily text providing inspiration across each of the 54 days. And then in this, there is a complicated thing that I'll put in the bulletin next week. You can use your phone and text to a number, and then you'll receive updates and inspiration every day. So we pray, we fast, and we give alms. Second is action. Uh, the Diocese of Lansing is cooperating with the Michigan Catholic Conference and Right to Life of Michigan to oppose this ballot proposal. Uh, they have created an umbrella campaign called Citizens to Support Michigan Mothers and Children. The most important front line in this battle for life and love is the local parish, so this will be you. If each of us does what we can, prayer, sacrifice, and action, we will overcome this attack on life. In all that we do, please remember this. The pro-abortion lobby will do everything it can between now and polling day to hide the extreme demands of this proposal. This is also why each have the happy duty of speaking the truth to any who ask about this initiative. At present, most Michiganders polled have no idea of the details of the Reproductive Freedom for All initiative. I think that when they do, again, whether pro-choice or pro-life, we can all agree this is a lot. We have less than two months now before voting on November 8th. Time is short. Our task is great. The Lord, however, provides always. Therefore, we will work cheerfully and lovingly, knowing that his grace is sufficient for each of us. And then he assures us of his prayers. So uh, this is a letter our bishops wrote 
I hope you find this helpful. If custom holds, I may be subjected uh, afterward to a lecture on the separation of church and state. If that's your temptation, I don't wish to be dismissive, but please look up what the separation of church and state actually means. It does not mean that a Christian cannot have a political opinion. If that was true, slavery would still be legal. We as Christians are called to be a part of the process. And what I'm not allowed to do and will never ever do is tell you who to vote for or tell you one party to vote for. I will not do that. I'm not allowed to, I don't want to. But on these proposals, we have a right and a duty to express our hearts. What you have heard and what I have read is the heart of the church. And I pray that we embrace it. If not, keep praying, right? Prayer works and the Lord will triumph if you and I, no matter what laws are out there, are loving, are prayerful, and sacrifice. So I pray that the Eucharist we receive today fuels our efforts to be who God's called us to be and to serve him with all our hearts. Amen? Amen. Okay.